six make it that's everyone else dropped out so there's the elite side of God that he prepares some to go into how many of you feel like you know what is there a level just below elite that I can do is there anyone who feels like that elite in God is a part of the calling on your life the elite in God raise your hand if that's you you feel like you really want to know how to go there. So, and, and I mean, not go there and visit. You want to go there and stay. Please write that down. Um, I don't want to just visit realms and dimensions. I want to be allowed to habitate. I want to be allowed to habitate. And many times believers, they engage a realm or a dimension but it's not consistent in their life it's not something they live out weekly it's not something they live out daily it's not something it's something that happens on sunday uh, if the most spiritual part of your life is what happens on sunday right then, then you might be an armchair general and they give they give uh, instructions on what everyone else needs to do from the comfort of their recliner. That's an armchair general. But when you begin to go elite, you begin to say, I want to be trained to penetrate enemy lines and be dropped behind enemy lines and then accomplish my mission. So those who are trained God to have greater accuracy and greater precision operate like elite soldiers that have the ability to not only engage the enemy line, penetrate the enemy line, but to achieve the mission. Like you go behind the lines in the military and your job is to sneak all the way into the heart of the city and go to where Osama bin Laden is hiding. 
take him out in his stronghold. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. It's in the enemy's camp. Elite soldiers are mission-minded. Apex soldiers, have you ever heard, how many of you have heard the term? That means in their species, they're at the top of the food chain. And they cross over to other food chains and they're at the top of that, the T-Rex. He's an apex predator. In other words, I'm at the top of the food chain. Uh, a lion is considered an apex predator. So when you deal with apex, you're dealing with the height of something. And today I want to give you some very practical tools to go to the height of calling, the height of function, the height of capability, the height of, of the momentums in the kingdom of God. And so embracing your kingdom calling, I felt like uh, as the Lord was uh, preparing me for today and this weekend, that there are many struggling with embracing it and holding on to it. Embracing your kingdom calling and holding on to it. You know, in this life, distractions come, don't they? I want you to write down in your journal, in your notes, what are the distractions that have got in the way of you staying apex, staying uh, elite, staying on task with what you know God called you to do and made you to do? Can you write down what have been the hindrances? Be very brutal on yourself. Don't give yourself a pass. What has got in the way of consistency? What has gotten in the way of finishing the mission and finishing the task? All right, so I want to give you what you need to understand and interpret how to finish what you started and then come out at the top. All right, Luke is going to be Luke is going to be our primary scripture. Peter says to him, "Lord, do you speak this parable to us or even to all?" And the Lord said, "Well, who is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season?" Now, when do they get their portion of meat? In due season. You're going to get your portion of meat in the right season so here god reveals that part of his psychology in how he thinks towards us is he identifies seasons and he he interacts with us certain ways in certain seasons um winter spring summer fall every season has its own environment and God has identified a season to multiply. He's identified a season to sow and a season to reap. But I feel like sometimes, we, if we were going to be honest about it, it seems like I've done a whole lot of sowing, but that season of reaping just sometimes runs right on by me. Anyone ever feel like that? Who feels like that right now? You, 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 that season of reaping, you know, I'm ready to reap and keep it. I don't want it to go anywhere. I want to get it and I want to keep it. But notice it's in due season. Then he says, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Faithful and wise steward. When his Lord comes, he's going to find him on task, going to find him on mission. 
of a truth I say to you. Now watch the reward. Watch the reward. I say to him that his Lord is going to make him ruler over all that he has. Someone say multiply. So your faithfulness here determines your rulership there. Your faithful your your faithfulness here determines part of your rulership here. There's a rulership that's down here. The disciples were complaining and they said, "Lord, you know, we followed you, we left all, we left everything." And Jesus said, "There's not one of you who has left his mother and his father and his children and his lands that won't receive it now in this life and in the life to come a hundred times." He said a hundredfold in this life. Jesus said in this life you can get a hundredfold. That's out of Jesus' mouth. That's not apostles speaking. That's Jesus. So why is it that wicked folk get it? Why do wicked people get it? Why, why would someone with a mind that is, is bent on population control like Bill Gates get it? Why would certain people who uh, have no more like Beyonce, no morals. How many of y'all like Beyonce? Raise your hand. Who don't like her no more? You like? Oh, she canceled. X her out. See, if you read some of, her, if you look at the lyrics in some of her, in one of her songs, she said she's going to take the pages of the Bible and make a menstrual cloth out of them. She said the Bible's not good for anything but her, but a tampon. So. We have someone who believers follow and she condemns the God you love. She condemns the God you love. The holy pages that we're reading from today, they're no good for her. They're no good for her. She is corrupt. She's debased. And we see her and Jay-Z and all these people with corruption. It seems like they're the ones who got the hundredfold. Well, Jesus said, you can have the hundredfold if you're willing to pay the price. Somebody shall pay the price. Oh, y'all didn't shout it. Shall pay the price. Oh, come on up in here with me. Your issue and the issue with many believers is you only pay the price you're comfortable with paying. So the comfort zone has become your enemy. The comfort zone is your enemy. And if you want to be elite and you want to go apex, hey, if I don't get a hundredfold of it, let's, let me get fiftyfold of it. But there's going to, it's according to an ability to steward. So Jesus gives the law of multi, one of the laws of multiplication. Whoever's faithful with that little will be made ruler over much. Whoever's faithful with the part that's been given to them, he says, I'm going to make them ruler over all. In other words, he's going to expand your territory, expand your authority, expand what you rule over. So this is part of the law of multiplication. We never factor in faithfulness as part of God's law of multiplication. He's rewarding faithfulness here. That's why I say if you've got a responsibility in the church, be faithful. You be there, somebody else is making. While other people making excuses, you're there. Why? I'm being faithful with my Lord's house. This isn't just uh, Pastor Joshua and Crystals. This belongs to Jesus. Believer's church is his idea. Believer's connection is God's idea, not, not, not 
Pastor Joshua. Pastor Joshua is the pastor. The church I pastor. I'm the pastor. God gave me his vision for that church. And I brought it. And my job is to bring it into the earth and then be responsible with it, be faithful with it. So faithfulness is God's multiplication strategy in your life. So as your maximized growth occurs, you're going to have covenantal alignment with principle and by principle. Get in alignment with what? Principle. And get in alignment by principle. And that's going to become very... Have you ever known folk who they just didn't have any kind of principles? And commensurate means it's going to match. So how many feel like God is really working on what the principles on the inside of you matching what you do on the outside? I tell the story about a little boy. And the, the parents told the little boy, the mama called the little boy and told him, said, hey, I want you to clean up your room. Hey, okay. And he got busy. But he wasn't in the room. Oh, he was busy. Mama came back and said, hey, Clean up your room. Now, have you ever had that moment when you were a child where your parents had to use strong persuasion? What did I say? Anyone ever heard that? What did I say? Right? And then they, they gave you persuasion. They told you what the consequences were going to be if you did not comply. So on the outside, on the outside, you're cleaning up your room. But on the inside, you like Snagapus, that, that cartoon character. So it's possible to be obedient on the outside, but rebellious on the inside. And the Bible says, with your whole heart. How much of With your whole heart. So how many of you have ever had a parent deal with you and say, look, how many of you have ever done this? You were obeying your boss on the outside, but on the way back to your desk or your department or your office, if eyes could kill, you'd be like Superman. You'd have lasered everything. Raise your hand if you've done that. If you've done that recently, would you raise your hand? So sometimes what's going on on the inside doesn't match what's going on on the outside. They're not matching. They, they, it's not commensurate. So I've been, I've been obedient on the outside, but rebellious on the inside. Everything in me was standing up against what I was supposed to do. And God is saying, that's what I'm after. I am after the condition of your heart. I am after the pliability of your heart. I am after your sensitivity to my principles that govern your character. I am after your sensitivity to my principles that govern your character. We've been taught seed time and harvest. We've been taught sowing and reaping. We've been taught all this stuff about get it on the outside. But on the inside is where the real issue is. Because increase only magnifies what's really deep in your heart. That's what increase does. That's why when people win the lottery, they go crazy. And the majority of people interviewed say they wish they had not won the lottery. They say it was a curse to them. Why? Because once they got all the wealth, what was really in their heart, 
what was really in their spouse's heart, what was really in their children's heart began to come out. And then they turned into monsters and OD'd and got divorces and lost it and hawked a lot of it. And that's what happens to, uh, uh, I talk about in my book, uh, the poverty disease out there. I talk about uh, um, certain we all know. Why would you be Michael Vick? You've got a $100 million contract and you're going to go to jail for fighting dogs. going to be, you, if you haven't read the poverty, disease, understanding and overcome it, I break it down. I go there and show you how to identify it in yourself and in others. But what happens is there are times when money increases success only magnifies what's really in you that you haven't dealt with. Those hidden passions and desires haven't been crucified. And God is intent on crucifying and you working with him to crucify those areas. And that's why your assignment must match your equipment and it must match the principles that govern it. So God is calling you to cooperate with the systems of heaven. What's he calling you to do? All right, so I, I don't have to be a prophet to know this. There are those of you in the room that I'm talking to in your you're not cooperating with the systems of heaven in your relationships with other people in the church you're not cooperating with the systems of heaven and it's difficult to engage what you don't understand heaven is a system and because heaven is a system say this with me heaven is a system the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but it's righteousness peace and Joy in the Holy Ghost, right? So let's just break that down for a second. The kingdom of heaven is not what's on is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is right doing. Why should you do it? Because it's right. Someone say because it's right. Righteousness is right doing. Righteousness and it's peace and it's Joy. But notice where the kingdom of heaven is at. The, the scripture says righteousness, peace, and joy where? In a person. Is Holy Spirit a person? So the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. We got that part, but this is the part we missed. It says in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom is in a person. Right? If, if the fish is in the fishbowl. The kingdom, the kingdom is in a person, the same way the fish is in a fishbowl. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Ghost. So run to the limit of where your mind can go and all created things are. Run to the limit with me. I'm about to run to the limit of all that I can imagine God has made. And I'm running through galaxies right now. And I'm running beyond Pluto. And I'm running beyond Arctis. I'm running beyond it. And I got to the end of what I think created. If there's something on the other side of that limit, then that means there's somewhere God is not. But because he is everywhere, 
Come on, because he is the omniscient one. He's all-knowing and he's omnipresent. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. So if he's all-knowing and he's everywhere, there is nowhere that he can't be because all things are in him. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in a person. Even hell has its logistic in God. There is no place outside of him. There is nothing that exists outside of him. You know why? Because he is. I just am. I'm, I'm God. I just am. So there is no domicile. There is no authority. There is no place existing geographic, territorial, spatial, dimensional that God is not. So heaven... When you deal with him, he gives us clues. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness in him. It's peace in him. You can tell a believer that's making peace with God because you get to the place where things that used to cause you mental issues for days on end don't cause you the same kind of trouble. It doesn't cause you the same type of mental issues. Why? Because you're growing in understanding how heaven works. If you want harmony with heaven, you're going to have to learn to walk in peace. The kingdom of heaven, where does the Bible say the kingdom is? It says within, right? So when you see a believer that doesn't have peace very often, then they're in harmony with heaven within. Within is a peace. And Jesus says the kingdom is within. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. How many would like some more peace? Then you've got to walk in harmony with the principles that Holy Ghost is in control of. So it's difficult to engage what you don't understand. Watch this, watch this. By not understanding the system, you will misuse it. If you don't understand the system, you're going to misuse it. You're going to abuse it. You're going to confuse it. You're going to underestimate it. You're going to misrepresent it. You're going to misappropriate it. You, you, has you, have you ever had someone didn't know how to drive your car or didn't know how to handle something that was your property and you saw what they were doing? You're like, oh, no, you're about to break it, baby. Come here, come here. No, no, that's not how you do that. That's it. There's something up, right? Have you ever seen one of your uh, one of your your loved ones you you live with, and they're going at it, and you're like, "Oh no, oh no, 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 that's not how that works." If you don't understand the system, you're going to confuse it, you're going to abuse it, you're going to misappropriate it, commit a trespass against it. You're going to violate its rules of operation, and if you violate its of operation it'll stop working for you many believers are violating how heaven works and so it stopped working for them all you get is the basic salvation many believers the truth is that living out is the basic how many of you can be honest with you? say yeah you know i feel like that's what i'm doing i'm living, living out living out of the basic salvation anybody feeling that way oh that means that if i compare your life your real life the life you really lived. I'm not talking about what you think you, you know, you, you build yourself. I'm talking about the life you really lived. How much different is it than the person across the street who don't know God? How much different is it the committed Mormon and the committed Jehovah Witness and the committed Muslim who are very disciplined, right? 
They're very disciplined folk. But you know, you look at them, you go, you know, that's the kingdom of the cults. You know, they're caught up in cults, but at the same time, you look at it and you go, well, I mean, if I had to really look, what makes my life much different than theirs? As a believer with the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, our lives ought to look way different. There ought to be power. There ought to be glory. There ought to be that system and that kingdom ought to come shining through. And the real test is if I go ask the people who know you, ask them what they say about the kingdom out of your life. Do they really live a normal life or is the kingdom alive? Can you tell the kingdom is even in there? Right? And we fulfill its desire accidentally. So this is where many times I, it works, but I don't know why it works. How many of you have ever prayed for someone and they got healed? It worked. I, ain't gonna, I can't tell you why it worked, because I slapped the name of Jesus. That's why it worked. I gave it, man. It came back quick this time. Woo, baby, come on now. It multiplied. That surprise money came in, but I sold in church last Sunday. Oh, man. And then all of a sudden, you think you got it, and you got it worked out, right? And you do the same thing, and you're expecting it, Jesus to be like a slot machine. Don't come out like that this time. And you go, what happened, Daddy God? He might be asking for conformity, alignment with the principles that he walks by. That might be what he's working on this hour. You know, I had to repent because I had I went through a period of time where I went transactional with God. And he's like, you, you went transactional. You stopped being relational. You started being transactional. Transactional means if you do this for me, and the only time you talk to him is when you want something or you need his power to do something. And now you want to break. God is like, I, you were supposed to be walking in that daily. That's supposed to be a way of life for you. It's relational. Your default is talking to me. Your default, your default is living and moving and having your being in the Holy Ghost, in the Lord. Can you hear me? That's your default. So sometimes we fulfill that desire of that system and of heaven uh, accidentally. So let's break down a couple of words. Economy. This particular word, economy, this is a, mid, uh, a Latin word, oikonomia, from Greek, oikonomia, oikonomos, household manager. Someone say, I'm a household manager. Okay. I'm a household manager. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Am I responsible for the dishes if I'm a household manager? But private affairs, especially expenses, also... I want you to catch number two. Now, here's where we talk about the economy. Every system has an economy. Every system has an economy. And being someone who's traveled to many places in the world, many different countries, I can tell you right now, the economies in some places are different than the flow of economy here. It's a totally different system over there than it is here. So when we look at number two, Efficient use of materials and resources. Frugality. Anybody know someone so tight? They so tight that when they put change in their pocket, if they tighten their stomach, a quarter will make three dimes. They, they just get more money out of everything. 
I know people like that. Is it on sale? You won't. Black Friday, you out there freezing, standing in line. If you want every woman to be an instant evangelist, just shout there's a shoe sale in church. And afterwards, every one of them go. <laughs> and before you get there, you're going to be on the phone with three of your friends. An instance of economizing, saving, efficient, concise use. Efficient, concise use of what? Non-material. What if what God is looking at is not just a material, but he's looking for a merger of our economy and efficient use of non-material flow? The arrangement or mode of operation in something, an organization, organization, the economy of an organization, a system especially of interaction and exchange, an economy of information, an economy of information. So I want to look at a couple of things about this. Let's say efficient, concise use of non-material things, movement and flow. When you deal with the economy, is it talking about money or is it talking about movement and flow? Anything that you can give movement and flow to. So can we give movement and flow to relationships? I'm about to shut the door on some people. You know why? Because you violated the rules of the currency. You can't People who violate social rules of economy, they put them in jail. If you won't be managed, if you won't be managed and can't control yourself, we'll put you in a four by seven. Uh -huh, and we'll have a big, a big hairy chested, uh, bearded dude with a blue uniform on stand there and tell you when you can use the bathroom and when to brush your teeth. And he's going to stand outside those bars and you're going to be in an orange jumpsuit because you couldn't manage the economy of relationships and how you had them outside of jail. We're going to put you in jail. So we're going to manage the economy of your flow and how you interact for you until you learn to behave. And after you've learned your lesson, we let you out of jail and we look to see how you. Let's check out your flow. Some of you have people in your lives right now that the door used to be open to, but right now, what is it? You shut it down. Why? Because they weren't managing the in and out of your life. They weren't managing the flow. They didn't handle your, they didn't handle your knowledge about your personal things right. They didn't handle knowledge about stuff you shared in confidence right. And you've heard what you said to them on the morning wind. Within a week, you said, oh, no, I'm shutting that down. Shut down the economy. You don't get relationship flow with me. Come on, somebody. That, that, that goes all the way through in every facet of relationship. So there's a, there's a movement and a flow in relationships. I call that the relational economy. Information economy. There's informational. There's the economy of information. How many of you, there's some folks you just won't share certain things with no matter what? Uh -uh. If you don't want somebody to know it, tell them and tell them not to tell it. If there's something you want everybody to know, just tell that person. You want everybody to know it, just tell one person and say, don't tell nobody. This is just for you. Within a month, <laughs> you'll be hearing yourself quoted. I call that Pete and repeat. Some people are like little parakeets. Pete and repeat. It's all they got to do. So there's an information economy. You can't give everyone certain information. Girl, I've seen this such and such over there. And then all of a sudden, by the time you get over there to get it, it's gone. And then you see them with it. And you're like, hey, I didn't tell you that for you to go get it. 
I told you I was going to get it when I got off work. Well, girl, somebody might have been, you know, there was a woman in there eyeing it when I got there. Because you wouldn't have got it anyway. That's why I got it. There's a financial economy. There's a language economy. There's a motion economy. So there's language, financial, there's motion, there's effort. How many of you was doing too much and God told you you're doing too much? I need you to maximize and make efficient use of your motion. And now you're wiser and what it took you a week to get done you now get it done in one or two hours. Who's done that already? Yeah, you don't work that thing out. You created a system, right? If I regulate the system, I can limit my motion and have greater impact. Oh, yeah, we about to tighten this thing down, baby. No more wasted effort. I don't have to keep starting over. But these are all connected. If I manage my relational economy, going to flow over and mess up my language economy because I'm about to tell you something. If I don't manage the economy of the relationship, it's going to affect my financial economy. Pastor Cindy and I, we did counseling for someone. The husband didn't know how to manage money. He didn't know how to manage money, so he's constantly taking her money. Because, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cause problems. <laughs> and pretty soon he kept going in further and further in debt. So finally she's like, no, uh, uh, you can't have access to. All of a sudden the marriage where everything's supposed to be one turned into your money and my money. Pretty soon because he hadn't learned to manage finances, he's down at the, uh, the pawn shop hawking stuff. He's hawking his very pricey things that he owns because he didn't learn how to. So now has the lack of managing the economy of money flowed over into the relationship. There's a lot more to being equally yoked than people give. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked, believers with unbelievers, but some folk can be academically unequally yoked. They can be informationally unequally yoked. They can be psychologically unequally yoked. You can be married to an emotional Midget. <laughs> Why well, I always got to be the grown one in the relationship? So those things flow over into finances, the economy of motion, the economy of effort. Someone's late and someone's this all the time. They start messing with the finances. Of the house. Let me move on. Somebody said, go, go apex or go home. Go apex or go home. Come on, somebody. That's why they weed everybody else out and they only take the elite. They only take the apex. Those are the only ones going on this mission. Some folk can't go with you because they're not willing to discipline themselves with the principles that you're disciplining with. Everybody with you can't go with you. All right, let's talk about economy. How many people came out of Egypt? Over 2 million people came out of Egypt, right? They estimate. 2 million people followed Moses. Wilderness. With Joshua and Caleb. Out of over 2 million people, 
How many of those adults went into the promised land? Two out of over two million. That's how, come on, Apex, I'm saying something here. Two, Joshua and Caleb, out of two million. Moses didn't even make it in because he didn't make the economy of language. He said, must I get water for you? Must I do this for you? Must I do that for you? And God said, you know what? You didn't honor me in front of the people. You're not going in. His economy of language and his economy of his emotions, he didn't regulate it. So his discipline was he didn't get to go into the place that he was prepared for 80 years to go into. Sometimes it's not wise to fall out of sync with the principles that govern the economy of heaven. Now watch this. Economy of motion. Wait, wait a minute. The children got to go in. Joshua and Caleb got to go in, but they had another spirit. They lined themselves up with heaven to take them there. In the full will of God, the full will of Jesus Christ for you, it has a way he wants to take you into your promises. That he has a way, but you've got to line up with the way he wants to take you in. In other words, he told two million people, you can't go in because something in you is not matching up with what I've got over there on the outside. If I bless you on the outside and you don't settle the issues on the inside, what's on the inside is going to undermine what I brought you to that's on the outside. So we learn from this, God sows or invests. And if you think I'm talking about money, then you're, you're not even in the room. If you think I'm talking about money, you're not even in the room. Everybody's always waiting for the preacher to say that thing about money and try to do a money grab. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about aligning the kingdom of heaven so you can accomplish the will of God for your life. What we're talking about today. Amen. God sows or invests from his realm and place of economic resource, which is heaven. I am warm. Maybe it's me. Thank you. God sows or invests from his realm or place of economic resource, which is heaven. I'd rather have everyone just a little cold than a little warm. <laughs> There's the apostle. I don't know what economy that is. That's, that's, some, that, that's some Oklahoma economy. It is warmer down here, y'all. God sows or invests from his realm and place of economic resource, which is heaven, in the spirit. And the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being in him. In him, we learn to do what? Live. In him, we learn to move and then have our being. We're comfortable being in him, living in what does that sound like? Living and moving in him since we've been talking about it. Sounds like economy, don't it? So what if that's in him we live? Learn to move. That movement in him is interrupted when I violate the principles that he operates by. He's saying, I'm a God of principle. I didn't even come and wipe the devil out and take it back when it away. I became a man and got it back legally. 
Adam could give it to whoever he wanted. I didn't tell Adam, but you can't give it away. So Adam gave away his jurisdiction. Adam gave away his dominion. Adam gave away his authority in the garden. God didn't just come out of heaven and go, I'm taking it back and giving it back to everybody. He didn't do that. God said, you know what? I legally gave it to Adam. Adam legally gave it away. And now I got to become a man and legally get it back. He worked with his own principles. And his own arm, as we discussed last night, his own arm brought salvation because there wasn't a man who could keep the principles and get it back for us. Does that make sense to someone? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Now watch this of the kingdom. This is the principle of the kingdom. Whatever a man sows, now notice it's not talking about money. Whatever a man sows, what does the scripture say? That also shall he reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the, shall love the spirit, reap life everlasting. That's life in every area. Life in every area. So if I see things constantly dying in an area, I might need to check alignment with the principles that govern that area. Can you hear me? That get life how long? Everlasting. But notice this is always attached to money. Notice he's talking about the actions of the flesh. Sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the... What happens sowing to the flesh? Look up the word corruption. Do a word study on the word corruption. He's saying something. We always attach it to money. Every preacher I know attaches it to money. But he was talking about something else here. He was talking about degradation and failure in life is connected to what we sow into the most. That interrupts the living, moving, and having our being in him. Because when you move in him, he shows you where it's at. He shows you where what he wants you to get is at. You just flow into it. Somebody's man, you locust, luckiest person on the world. You're just lucky. No, it ain't luck. I'm just learn how to flow. I learned how to tap into a different economy. Can you say amen? Now watch this. The most common understanding of the word invest. Italian investory. Now watch this. I always thought invest was money. How many of you commonly thought invest was money, right? Notice this. It means to clothe. It's from the Latin word to clothe. Investir. Transitive verb. To commit in order to earn financial return. To make use. To make use for future benefits or advantage. Invested her time wisely. So you can sow time. What are you probably going to read? Time. God redeems the, yeah, so I might have sowed time over here and I might have reaped time and saved me time on something over here because God says, because you sowed time, I'm going to save you time. I'm about to get in there and mess with the time wheel. God did that for Joshua. He had sowed his life to God and Joshua looked up and said, you know what? I need to fight a little bit longer. And all of a sudden the sun just stood still. God altered time. So there are things that you sow into the economy of. To involve or engage us emotionally. Emotionally. I mean, you're emotionally invested somewhere. <laughs> yeah, when you get emotionally invested, that's when you can get hurt the most, right? So you want to make sure that in that emotional investment, the law of reciprocity, that's the principle, the law of reciprocity, Say this with me, the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity. What law is it? Kingdom law. 
the law of reciprocity. That's when you sow out something and something else comes back. When you sow out emotionally and you sow out and you sacrifice of your emotions and your feelings and your sensitivities and nothing comes back. That's unrequited love. That's unresponded to love. And that makes the heart grow sick. Grow sick. So you want to make sure that as you're sowing, you want to sow a valuable seed of emotions. And you have to help that person understand that this is an emotional deposit. I talk to a lot of people that have intellectual deposits, but they have no emotion. Person who doesn't have time to talk with you from an emotional place, I didn't say be highly emotional. Person that doesn't have time to talk to you from an emotional place, they really don't care about you. Now, I'm not talking about offenses that get in the way in relationships and you have to work. I'm talking about an emotional investment. It can just all be some emotions involved. I need to feel it. Make an investment. Emotional investment. The law of reciprocity. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about things that have nothing to do with money. I'm going to make a deposit into your heart. Have you ever had someone talk to you in your heart? You feel like, I felt that. Has Jesus ever talked to you in such a way? Come on, have you ever got a word of knowledge that came through someone else? How many of you, God has given you a dream, and in the dream, there was a certain way that he let you know how he felt? I mean, it just did something for you. That'll change your life. The things that change our life the most are not what's communicated from an intellectual standpoint. Because civil... Uh, Conversations that are intellectual can often be cast, C-A-S-T-E. Conversations that are intellectual can often be cast, C-A-S-T-E. They can often be sterile because it's just about the facts. Y'all ever known those people? It's just about the facts. All, every, all, the only thing they want to talk about is facts. And it's almost you say that and I have no feeling. It's almost like their, their nerve endings were burned off in cordyceps. I need some passion, right? You're, you know, my wife and I will take a walk and, and she'll start my hand. I'm like, that show feel good. I, I have clear blue sky because I want to. What type of investment is she making? An emotional investment. If you're married, you got to keep making some emotional investment. Can you hear me? You can't leave your relationship without emotional sewing. If you want something to come back, start sowing what you want to come back at you. Can you hear me? It's a law of heaven. It's a law of the kingdom. We're deeply invested in our children's lives. Notice also this is a word to envelop, to infuse, to invest. To get inside of, clothed with it, to put inside of, in, oh, in vest. I'm wearing a vest, right? Am I in the vest? Right? So I'm in vested right now. There are things God wants you to get in, vested into, that are attached to the laws of the kingdom. 
Now you're triggering responses from that kingdom on purpose. And that kingdom's working for you, not against you. Because now you're doing some on-purpose living. It means to endow with quality and infuse. Yeah, so I want to talk about some the stewardship here. First um, Corinthians 4.1, I'd like for you to read this out loud with me. Read it like you love Jesus out loud. All right, let's read. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards. All right, there's that word again. What am I a steward of? Oh, now. Uh -huh. A steward manages household affairs, manages the economy of the household. Joseph was so good at managing the affairs of Potiphar's house. Potiphar put him over everything and said, I can just go on and hang out with my buddies down at the golf club. And I can go out to the spa in the gym and hang out because Joseph got it under wrap. Joseph got that economy and flow. Eventually, he gets promoted to greater and God puts him over all of Egypt that the only voice stronger than his is Pharaoh's. Joseph moves to the place because he understands the economy of how God operates. He works with what God reveals. Come on, you got to work with what God reveals. See, sometimes God reveals to heal. He's not revealing it to destroy you. He reveals it to heal you. And we got to stop fighting our healing. We've got to stop working against our healing. Why does he reveal? To heal. Someone says he reveals to heal. So if God speaks to you about, so and here's a lie that's been spread throughout the charismatic church and throughout ministries for decades now, that Holy Spirit will never say anything to embarrass you. I'm going, that's a lie. God will embarrass you. Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit will say something negative. It's not negative. He reveals to heal. David numbered the people. The prophet comes and talks to him and says, hey, you numbered the people. So God will reveal the deficit that undermines the activity of his kingdom in our lives. Do you want him to do it? Put your finger on it, God. I want you to address it. You don't want to learn to exist with, coexist with the thing that's causing you pain. You don't want to learn to coexist with the thing that's causing you the most pain. Not if you're in charge of the economy of it. This word steward, as stewards of the mysteries of God, is okoinomia, the management, administration, office, manager, overseer, stewardship. Paul says, God gave me the responsibility, the theos, gave me the okoinomia of managing his mysteries. How well have you been governing the flow and management of the mysteries? So what is he a steward of? The mysteries of God. What are you a steward of? Someone say the mysteries of God. So he knows where he wants his mysteries released. You can't tell him who you'll talk to and who you won't. You want to get disqualified real quick? Do a Jeremiah. Tell God what you'll say and what you won't say. Jeremiah quit. Theologians believe he fired God for seven years. He told God, he said, I'm not speaking for you anymore. 
He said, I'm not speaking for you anymore. I've talked in your name, spoken your name. I've got nothing but hell and heart. And people have come against me down. So I'm done with it. He said, I will not speak in your name anymore. God spoke back and said, if you separate the precious from the vile, then I'll let you be my spokesperson. You don't fire me. I'll let you speak for me. If you separate the precious from the vile, you got to know what's inside of you that's from me and what's inside of you. That's not from me. The issue with your mind is that you ruminating and allowing things people said and what people did. I didn't do that to you, Jeremiah. The did that to you and you're punishing me with silence you're going to quit on me you're the one that needs to separate the pressure from the vial and oh by the way if you do it separate the contaminated from the uncontaminated what's pure from me inside of you from what's not pure that from the enemy if you separate it then i will let you speak for me but until then, get to separating. Get your colander out, pour in your spaghetti, and start getting that mess out. You're going to put me on restriction. The management of the economies in the system of God. Jonah tried it. Jonah said, I'm not going to speak to Nineveh. I, 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 I ain't going. I'd rather go this way to Nineveh. I'm going to Tarshish. Jumped on a boat, got him a ticket. Here he goes sailing across. Pretty soon, he's sailing, and all of a sudden, the storm comes up, and the captain is like, we ain't never seen nothing like this before. Jonah said, oh, that's my fault. God told me to go do something, and I'm on kind of in rebellion right now. I'm kind of doing my own thing right now. And he said, and then he said, now, if you want everything to be all good, y'all want people throw me overboard. Have you lost your mind, Jonah? You would rather be th thrown over the side of the ship into the middle of a, a, a storm that's about to sink the boat than obey God. That is a bitter, dark place to be. I'd rather die than obey God. Well, God's got a fish that he can make with your name on it. God knows you live. You telling him that I'm in control of this economy. I'll tell you where I'll go and what I'll say and who I'll preach to. God said, you will. Yeah, about three days in the belly of the fish, somehow miraculously Jonah came to his senses. <laughs> See, because what we look at now, we think Jonah's in there with a, a table, a latte, and, and a, little, a, a little lamp. Oh, no. He's in the It's eating away at his skin. Leprosy on the outside. You know what a lemon does? How lemons eat things up? You know how you put acid on something? Acid is what's in the stomach to digest food. It's eating away. At his, after three days, he's like, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll preach to anybody. I love you, man. I just love you in Jesus' name. Lord, what you want me to tell them? Jonah did not obey. And after he finished his mission and Nineveh repented, jo Jonah got hot as a firecracker. I knew you was going to forgive him. And went and sat down underneath the tree. He just went and sat down. God, under a gourd. God's like, I'm going to burn that gourd up. Now he ain't got no shade for his head. He's hot as a firecracker. So he 
on the outside, but on the inside, he's still bitter. He's still untransformed. God is saying, I'm trying to change the economy of your flow. I don't want the vial from your experience to contaminate. You know, and I had an issue with God a few years back. About 15 years ago, I had, no, no, I take that back. It was 20, it was about 25, 24 years ago, I had an issue with God. And I was angry. I was hot. I was, I was a hot preacher. I've been serving God almost four decades. I was hot as a firecracker. People was on my last Someone came to me for prayer once. I said, they wanted prayer from the pastor. I said, if I take this empty head, hand and put it on your empty head, ain't no telling what God will do. That's what I said. So I take this empty hand, put it on your empty head, and then somebody say bitter. Oh, y'all think preachers walk on water. I wasn't walking on nothing. I was walking on hot air. I was hot as a firecracker. I was so hot, I was like balloons went up that the government needs to shoot down. But here's the, here's the issue, and we're going to take a break. Here's the issue with me. I was like Jonah. And so about 24 years ago, God gave me a dream. And in the dream, hand came out of heaven. And it wasn't showing up to bless me. And it had a razor blade in its hand. And that razor blade came right out of heaven, came right where I was, and came right to my mouth and just cut me straight through my lip. And when it did, all of this poison and pus began to just flow out. Because like Jeremiah, the experiences of ministry caused a bitterness that now worked itself into the message being preached. And God was saying, I need you now to separate the precious from the vile. And so then God will give you a season of taking a break. God said, you know what? I need you to understand the process of entering and leaving. Because how you enter a process sometimes is based on how you left the last process. How you leave a relationship determines how you enter the next season of relationship. And you don't want to get in the middle of that thing and find out they didn't pack, unpack the baggage. They're violating the principle of entering and leaving. In other words, you just relationship on the rebound. Relationship on the rebound. And you get in the middle and find out, oh, Jesus, now. Dude, I, didn't, I didn't check all them boxes. She got some issues. Dang. And now bed while they sleep with your eyes wide open. Like Jesus. Jesus like, uh-huh. You should have uh, checked on the commensurateness in the relationship. Don't be unequally yoked. You need to make sure that psychological yoking or be willing to learn something to become more psychologically yoking. I think that's, that's going to be it for right now. And then we'll go. Let's take a break. Come on, pray with me real quick.